Welcome to Haunted Talks, the official podcast of The Haunted Walk, offering thematic walking tours and paranormal adventures in Kingston, Ottawa, and Toronto, Ontario. My name is Jim Dean, I am the creative director, and I really appreciate you joining us for today's show. We are going to be doing something a little bit different with the episode. Recently, we were approached by our good friends from No History, which is a historical research firm that specializes in archival research and documentation for museums, governmental bodies, nonprofits, and corporations. They suggested we could collaborate on an episode around Halloween. Now, they have their own podcast called Notice History, which explores the ways we encounter and interact with history in our daily lives. As we often get to interview guests, the suggestion was made to turn the tables, or microphone in this case, back on us, and discuss how the Haunted Walk thinks about history. And one of my answers gave them quite the shock. But before we get to that, in the episode, you will hear some bits from our original Haunted Walk in Ottawa. We offer an original walk in each of Kingston, Ottawa, and Toronto, and these are our flagship tours that share the classic ghost stories from each city. During our Halloween season, which runs until November 3rd, we offer these tours every evening. And on select nights, we have special premium versions, small group adventures, which include visits to Mackenzie House in Toronto, the Bytown Museum in Ottawa, and Skeleton Park in Kingston. Information about all of our Halloween season tours can be found on our website, which is hauntedwalk.com. And we'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all three at Haunted Walk. Welcome to Notice History, the podcast where we uncover the history all around us. We're your hosts, Robin Mullins, Nick Bridges, and Keely McCavitt. This week, we have a very special crossover episode with the lovely people of the Haunted Talks podcast, part of the Haunted Walk. We had the opportunity to go along with their original Haunted Walks tour. Which was a new experience for all three of us. And today's episode will include portions of the stories we heard, along with an interview conducted throughout the walk itself with Jim Dean, business development manager at Haunted Walk. Here at No History, we have an expert of our own, Brittany Buss, who served for many years as one of the guys for the Haunted Walk. Together, Brittany and Jim will explore the success and intrigue behind this popular walking tour, while also delving into the history that serves as its background. Join us as we notice the spine-chilling histories that are part of the Haunted Walk. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. If you are here for a Haunted Walk tour, we have two tours departing at 8 o'clock. If you're here for the Ghosts and the Gallows tour, you'll be with Aaron. If you're here for the original Haunted Walk of Ottawa, you'll be with myself. So if you're doing the Ghosts and the Gallows, go this way. If you're here for the original, come with me. All right, folks, so gather in nice and close. Don't worry, I won't bite. Okay, good. All right, so uh, first off, how's everybody doing? Good, I'm glad to hear that. So my name is Hamish, I'll be your guide and your storyteller this evening. I'd like to officially welcome you to the original Haunted Walk of Ottawa. Now this tour will take approximately an hour and a half. If you have any questions along the way, feel free to ask and I'll do my best to answer your questions for you. Does anybody have any questions right now before we get too involved with the tour? Yeah, there are, are there any scary things 
We don't have anything planned. So if something does <laughs> jump out at you, <laughs> they're not with us, and you should run. <laughs> so uh, one other question uh, that I have often been asked is, well, where do we get our stories from? And maybe more importantly, are they true? So it's important to note that before we include any new ghost stories on our tours, we always do a lot of research. We look into documents from city archives, local libraries, newspapers, and whenever possible, we also conduct interviews with people who have had some first-hand experience with some of the stories we'll be telling you along the way. Uh, so much of our information is based on these primary accounts. Before we move on, uh, it is worth mentioning that in Ottawa, you don't always have to travel very far in order to find a location which may be haunted. And sometimes the dead are closer than you might think. In 2013, work on Ottawa's light rail transit system was brought to a grinding halt. Several sets of human remains were found near the intersection of Elgin and Queen, a short distance from here. It came as a terrible shock to everyone in the city, but we at the Haunted Walk weren't overly surprised. Part of the reason for that is that we've been aware that this area once served a very different purpose. If you look around yourself today, you can see that we're surrounded by lots of fine-looking modern office towers. But if you were standing in this exact same spot in the 1830s or mid-1840s, you would have stand, found yourself standing at the edge of a vast cemetery. Cemeteries stretched from what is today Elgin Street, as far over as Metcalf, from Spark Street, as far down as Queen, so two full city blocks. The cemetery would have been fully enclosed by a tall wooden wall with distinct burial grounds for Catholics, Anglicans, and also other Protestants. Now, before the cemetery existed, anyone who died in this vicinity had to be shuttled across the Ottawa River for burial on the Quebec side, because there was no proper cemetery here. Now, very quickly, it was found that this system was not working. A proper cemetery was desperately needed on this side of the river. You see, life in early Ottawa was not so easy. There were many fatal diseases that used to sweep through the populace, just wiping people out en masse. There was cholera, typhus, smallpox. And on top of this, we know the canal workers, who were many of the first residents here, it was extremely dangerous work. Many of them died from disease as well. And so, yes, a cemetery was urgently needed. Once a cemetery had been established, burials tended to be very hasty, often with multiple bodies being buried at once in a common grave. Sometimes these burials were so hasty they didn't even bother to erect a, a proper gravestone to mark the place of these bodies. This became a real problem a few years later when in the late 1840s the cemetery was no longer in use and with the city population exploding, city developers wanted to build on this now prime plot of land. But what could they do? They buried these bodies all over the place, not really marking properly where they were, but they did want to go ahead with their building project. So they came up with a plan they relocated as many of the bodies as they could, uh, and then they would go ahead with each building project, and as they were laying the foundations, they would hope to find the rest of the bodies as they went, relocating them uh, as they go. But nobody had any idea quite how long this would take. In 1971, seven sets of human remains were found, again, near the intersection of Elgin and Queen. Uh, the story is that a construction worker was, was digging a pit and unearthed a human skull. Um, I imagine it might have rolled down the slope and sort of nestled at his feet. Um, he'd found what was uh, known as a common burial pit, which consisted of what's more or less a human wall made of skull fragments and bones, buried together much in the manner that cholera victims would have been buried during the time of the cemetery's use. A few years before that, when the National Arts Centre was constructed, which you can see just over there, more sets of human remains were found beneath that building as well. So it's entirely possible there could be other unmarked burials beneath our feet to this day. So let's keep that in mind as we carry on to our next location. So how long have you been working at the Haunted Walk and what's your role here now? 
So this is my 16th season with the company. Started as a, a tour guide. In fact, I uh, gave my first tour. Uh, Ray Hamish told us our first story this evening. So easy to mention myself back there in 2003 telling uh, telling the stories. Um, after my first year, I became uh, a manager and uh, eventually have moved on to my position now, which is the creative director of the company. So I oversee a few things uh, along with Glenn uh, Shackleton, our, our founder and CEO in our uh, in our head office today i oversee the all the marketing operations of all three of our cities ottawa kingston and toronto and my title also includes really the development of, of new products and that's perhaps my favorite part of the job coming up with these new experiences for people to take part in you know i'm particularly proud of our incident at the bunker a zombie adventure where we filled uh, the defen bunker canada's cold war museum full of zombies and set people loose on this narrative adventure or our seance at Black Creek, which is brand new this year that we built along with our good friend, mind reader, James uh, White. So it's, it's a lot of fun to, to put those things together, but it's really our growth over the past, you know, 15 years that I'm most proud of, uh, expanding to Toronto. We now have close to 100 tour guides uh, across our three cities, and many of these are, uh, tour guides are, are students, particularly in the arts, in history, where there's often not a lot of great jobs kind of associated uh, with what they're doing. So to be able to provide, you know, meaningful employment, something that's fun to do and showcase our cities is something, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in. Now, what year did you start giving tours with us? I started back in uh, 2011 and it was the first year of my doctorate in history. And you're very right. There is not tons of history type jobs out there. I'm lucky enough to be employed by No History now as a research associate there, but really being a tour guide opened up so many possibilities and uh, I was so thankful for my time here and love it so much that I have to come back once in a while because you just can't stay away um, from this job. Well, that, that's our kind of joke, you know, stealing from the Eagles. <laughs> you can check out, but you can never leave. No. And it's, it's always fun. To, as we were you know, waiting for the tour, guide, the tour tonight, uh, one of our tour guides from, I think it was 10, 12 years ago at this point, randomly walked into the office to say hello. And, you know, we do really think of it like a like a family, a weird family, granted, given, <laughs> given what we do, uh, but, you know, a family nevertheless. For this next story, I'd like to direct your attention to this beautiful old castle-looking structure just off in this direction. This building is the Fairmont Chateau Laurier Hotel. Now, construction on this building was completed in 1912. To this day, it's one of the most famous and luxurious hotels in the city. Although, all due to all the creepy stories I've been told about it, I'd say it's fair to also describe it as one of the most haunted buildings as well. Like the tour tonight, uh, your tours always start with the assurance that all of the stories are true. Uh, why is it important to you and the Haunted Walk in general to make sure that all of the stories are thoroughly researched and um, accurately presented every night? It's a good question, and there's, there's a few different answers to it. The first one has to do with credibility, because you have to realize we are telling ghost stories, and some of those stories are quite fantastic, have very dramatic elements, and you have to wonder what effect it would have upon the audience if we got some basic history wrong, like you know the dates the Rideau Canal were built here in Ottawa, for example. If you miss something very obvious like that, how can we expect the, the, the audience, the, the, our guests, to believe some of the more 
elaborate stories we have about some of the crazy things that people have, have experienced here. So it's kind of a, a necessity of practicality at, at one point. At the same time, I think, you know, we just take a lot of pride in what we do. And we kind of make a joke that we're the biggest employer of know-it-alls in this city. So just having that, you know, the trivial information correct, the historical facts correct, it's just something we want to be, be right on. We try to be extraordinary uh, in everything we do. And certainly that includes kind of the, the basic history. But the Chateau Laurier is a, a really interesting example as well. Because I do think there is some responsibility to tell or report history correctly. And there's a very well-known urban legend here in Ottawa. Uh, the, the furniture for the Chateau Laurier went down on the Titanic. Now, because I've been for the company for so long, now 15 years, I know that when the Chateau, I saw it was around when the Chateau Laurier first put that claim on their website. And we immediately went to them and asked, do you have any proof for this? Because in our research, this did not seem to be the case. So we end up contacting the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic, uh, as well as our own research, looking at the kind of cargo manifest, and as well as kind of the dates around it. And there just seems to be little reason to believe that furniture for the Chateau Laurier went down on the Titanic. But if you ask the people of Ottawa, this story has become so propagated. And, you know, we've had, we've had close to a million people on the tours now, and there just seems a responsibility to, to get it right. And sometimes it's tempting to tell stories because they're, they're good stories. But if we don't have a good faith belief that it is a reasonable report of events, we tend not to include it. Your answer uh, definitely rings true. And I think uh, your tour guides, who I, I've known a lot of them, wouldn't let you get away with things, I think, that weren't true. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of us uh, would do our own research and make sure that those facts are right. And I remember a lot of, a lot of times being, are, are we sure this is real? And we would do a lot of research because I, I think we also, take, we also took lots of pride in, in telling true stories and uh, another thing that makes the Haunted Walk extraordinary, I think. For this next story, I'd like to direct your attention to this large yellow brick house structure across the street just up ahead. Today, this is one of Ottawa's finest restaurants. It's called Becta Dining and Wine. Uh, and for many years, it was a restaurant of a different name known as Friday's Roast Beef House. This building is also known as the Grant House, named for Dr. James Grant, for whom the building was constructed in 1875. So I've always left these tours feeling a lot more historically educated. How do you decide what history goes on your tours? On our tours, history really plays the role of, I think, like the salt, if you're making a, making a dish. If you don't have the salt, in this case in the stories, you kind of lack the structure, you lack the context. It really puts things into perspective. But... If you put too much salt in, of course, you ruin the whole dish. And as we employ a lot of history lovers, this can often be very challenging for them because there is so much information you could talk about virtually every building, you know, every major landmark. And, you know, people just aren't that deep into the history. Uh, so it's finding the right balance between setting the context but not overwhelming with dates in names, things that people will never remember anyway. We always try to connect to the emotion of the story, as we find that's what people will really remember. 
That's a great point. Uh, I remember my, one of my first uh, history-type tours that uh, give at the Haunted Walk. I was so excited to give all this information, and not one person in my group cared. So it was really devastating. But then I realized that, yeah, it's the stories and getting at what the, the theme of that story is. So are you going to feel sad? Are you going to feel happy? Are you going to feel scared? That, I think, you're right, is what matters. is now a heritage building. It also serves as part of Ottawa's City Hall. For many years, it served a different purpose. Uh, from the time of its construction in 1875 up until its closure in 1970, it was known as the Normal School. Uh, this is not to distinguish it from the nearby <laughs> Abnormal School. There was no Abnormal School. Uh, the, it was a teacher's college, and the teachers here were getting training in normative practices. That's how it got its name. So I'm guessing this is actually a key part of your job, um, but what do you do to market history to the public at the Haunted Walk? How do you make history fun and interesting and inspire people to come on the tours? I'm a little nervous to give this answer. Knowing don't, You don't have to give away secrets or anything. Well, just knowing, knowing obviously you have a lot of historians, history lovers uh, who listen uh, to the No History podcast, and certainly we have the same who listen to ours. But what I've discovered over my 15 years is if you want to market history, do not use the word history on, you know, it immediately fair or not, because obviously, you know, we are history lovers, but fair or not, it does come with a ton of baggage. And most notably, when it's like this, it's supposed to be a fun activity, something exciting to do. People have kind of the old staid notions of what history is. So the easy answer is, I suppose, we try not to use the word history at all in our marketing. Now, that being said, <laughs> history, as we've already kind of talked about, plays a very important role. So I almost, to carry on my food analogies, it's really like a piece of candy. Uh, the ghost stories are the things that everyone wants. They're exciting, they're dramatic, they're spooky. But the history acts as kind of like a wrapper around the candy that's to come. So, you know, we try to spin it that way a bit. The research has been very clear that what people get the most satisfaction from when they visit a historical site, a museum, cultural space, is not the displays, it's not the exhibits, special exhibits, it's not even the tour that takes place. The number one thing that will indicate customer satisfaction or connect to that is who they do the experience with. So for us, history becomes something that becomes much more palatable when it's kind of wrapped in this fun group experience. Because, you know, people on the tour tonight will go home and talk about it with their friends, or a year from now they'll talk about their memories of it and certain buildings and the backstory that goes along with it. So in some ways we're being very sneaky almost and sliding history in when people are least expecting it. And this is particularly true for the educational groups we have. Every May and June in Ottawa, we probably have close to 25,000 students who take the tours. And we're very proud that we are always listed as one of their favorite activities. But what makes it, you know, as extra proud is just how much history we get to kind of slide in without them realizing it. They're just caught up in the ghost stories, but they learn a lot about the city and the buildings that we cover. That was it. That was an excellent, excellent answer. And uh, I think you're right that it's also the stories. It's those, we talked about it already, about how those stories really make history come alive. 
And uh, you're right, there's so much pretension attached to that word history when it's really, it's stories. And it's making stories relatable to people and making them remember those stories for different reasons. It's one of the reasons why I stayed with the Haunted Walk for so long, because those stories are memorable not just to hear, but to tell as well. And I think relatable is a fantastic word. With the ghostly part of it, you know, what would it like to suddenly be confronted with some type of specter or something something that's, you know, mind-blowing? Well, that's one way of looking at it. But what does it mean to be a, a... You can also picture, what does it mean to be a poor canal worker with no other means to support yourself in a new country doing this extremely dangerous work of building the Rideau Canal? So it's all of those... You know, storytelling makes everything accessible in a way that, like, a history book, when most people think about history, can't, can't really do that. Well, since we're passing by the Rideau Canal, which is just behind me here, I thought I'd mention a few words about it. It is one of the most important structures we have in Ottawa. Um, I consider the canal possibly the most important structure that we do in the Parliament buildings here in Ottawa as well. Reason being, if we didn't have the Rideau Canal, Ottawa probably wouldn't exist either, because the original community grew up around its construction and later on its use. So if we're talking about marketing, uh, how do you kind of gauge if that marketing is successful? What do you want patrons to gain from this experience, and how really do you measure their engagement with it and, and how much they've enjoyed it. I think it's important to point out, unlike a lot of other historical institutions, if I, if I can call ourselves that, is that we are a for-profit business. We are not publicly funded. Uh, this is run as a business. So our success ultimately has to be, are we selling tickets? Are, do we have people coming on the tours? Are we growing? Now, kind of the operational necessity of that aside we just as we talked about before we just take a lot of pride in what we what we do and we think these stories are meaningful and they they paint a picture of the city at certain times and have people from all over the world come and take these tours and spend 90 minutes with them you know our tour guides are some of the things they're probably going to remember most about their trip so to see people engaging with us, uh, whether it's writing positive reviews, uh, engaging with us on, on social media, for example, on the podcast, we have listeners around the world. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of it, is just that type of uh, interaction. It's somewhat profit-driven, but also somewhat being recognized for doing great work. And I think, you know, whatever your field of uh, endeavor is, it's the people who really strive to be great are the only ones who have a chance to, to achieve it. Uh, so while we are in some ways a small company, we're extremely ambitious. And we're always looking to provide extraordinary service, extraordinary tours, and just give people a memorable night out. I guess that's how I would, you know, define our success. And it seems like there's always a diversity of people on the tours. You know, you have uh, the very young, the very old people from all these different countries. Is there a special way you try to market to all these age groups, or do they just show up because of what you're providing? Yeah, I wish I could take all the credit for it, but I, but I can't. Um, but, you know, ghost stories are so foundational, and storytelling in general, to, to human society, human culture. The idea of gathering together, particularly at night, I think, which is reminiscent of when we used to gather around the fire uh, in our earlier, our earlier days and swap these stories, it, it's something that's really 
ingrained in us. So it is, it is so much fun to see all ages on the tours, all backgrounds. And, you know, we've even noticed in the past five years more diversity, particularly people from uh, other countries coming. And it's awesome, you know, and we often get to share uh, during the tour and chat a bit with everyone. So we learn often a lot about other cultures, other people as we go along. And, and that's all part of the experience. We like to think of it more as a, like, everyone here is, we're all in the same group, we're having a good time. It's not so much the tour guide just putting on a, a performance, though there certainly are performative aspects to it. Just behind me and across the, the court here is Lister Collegiate Institute. It's actually a high school. Uh, it's always been a high school from the time of its construction, 1874 up until today. Although parts of the building are not quite as old as that, it was, uh, it's had many additions and expansions over the years. This building uh, has a long history of ghost stories also told about it, mostly to do with the attic. So switching gears a little bit, this is uh, a question that I'm actually really interested in. Uh, what kind of research is involved in producing a tour? And uh, producing a tour, a story for that tour, but really the tour. What types of sources do you look at? And how does the story get built? And then how does a tour get built from that? that that's, a, that's a great question. I hope I can hmm. do it justice. Uh, there's a number of different approaches. First is obviously just kind of what we think about when we consider historical research. So going through the archives, going through old newspapers. If there's a particular topic or building or person in mind, though often with those things, it's just realizing the stuff that would make for a great story because it's not obvious sometimes. It's not necessarily the biggest story of the day. Uh, but these little kind of side notes about what life was like in early Bytown, for example, here in Ottawa. So kind of the, the traditional research is part of it. With the ghost stories, however, eyewitness accounts are so important because ghost stories happen to people. So being able to talk to the people who've had these experiences, we love it when there's kind of more than one witness to corroborate what's going on. And there's always a struggle for us because we do get some rather, you know, spectacular stories, but do we have enough faith in them to believe, you know, that it's, it's plausible, likely, that kind of thing. And we love it when guests come forward with stories. It often is like a but a detective work, you kind of get a lead and you follow it up and you get another piece of info, another piece of info, and you kind of go from there. The other aspect to it is if it's a tour of a particular location, a particular site like Upper Canada Village in Morrisburg, Ontario, you know, the site often tells its own story and there are buildings people are going to want to hear about or certain aspects of its history that are very interesting. So it's kind of a combination of those things, kind of like traditional research, um, eyewitness interviews, and then kind of what stories the site itself tell. I like your your idea there that, that sites tell stories. And I think a lot of the sites that we visit, all of a sudden you can feel a story even being told before you're told by the guide about that yes. story. It's like, I bet this is a good one. And <laughs> often it does. Yeah. Just behind me are the, the water of the Rideau Canal, which if you follow it, short distance on, it goes through a series of locks and joins the Ottawa River. If you follow the Ottawa River short distance east, you'll meet the Gatineau River, which goes north into Quebec. This next story doesn't take place in Ottawa, but near the small town of Cantley, which is on the shores of the Gatineau River not too far from here. Now near Cantley, there was a couple who bought a, a large property of land and built themselves a good-sized log cabin to live in. One night, this couple were in bed, they were both asleep, and they both woke up at 
exactly the same time. Even though you don't use the word history in your marketing, um, this definitely mixes, I think, history and the paranormal. And I think we think of history as all these facts. You have to have documentation. And the paranormal seems the opposite. Now, so how do you kind of negotiate that line between something that can be explained through documented sources and something that maybe can't be explained? Ooh, tough tough question. I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. And it is, it is a bit tough to negotiate, but so much of our history is forgotten history. I mean, when you set aside major events, major historical figures, the day-to-day -day stuff is often virtually unknown and unshared. So I think even within history, a lot of stuff is kind of unknown unintentionally, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff not being recorded. But it is a bit tricky, and as I said, it's really a question of weighing the evidence and looking at the totality of the situation. Obviously, when we get a, a story from someone about uh, a building, if we know that building does have a particularly uh, gruesome or tragic history, that does seem maybe to lend a little more credence to the idea of some type of supernatural occurrences there. But it's hard to say because, you know, even though I've been doing this 16 years and I've researched so many stories, I still, of course, can't tell you what a ghost is or what a ghost is not. And I think that's part of the fun, is the constant progress of trying to answer that question. That's a, a, that's a great answer, because I felt as a tour guide who was also a historian that I never struggled with the idea, but I could sense a lot of people on the tours always struggling with that and trying to come to grips with, you're telling me evidence but yet you say there's no evidence, and it's this, it's this really odd balance sometimes. Uh, this building was constructed in 1827. It's actually, and it is the, the oldest building we have in, in Ottawa. Uh, its official title is the Commissariat Building. Now these days it serves a different purpose. It's actually the Bytown Museum, uh, which both tells the story of the construction of the Rideau Canal and also life in early Bytown, which is the original name that Ottawa was known as. This building is also rumored to be one of the most haunted buildings in Ottawa. After this 90-minute tour, what do you think is the takeaway? What do you think people who've gone on the tour then take home with them? Well, selfishly, I think it's that we, in Ottawa here, we live in a great haunted city. And, you know, we're proud that today, Kingston and, and Ottawa, two of the cities we've been operating in for over 20 years, have really developed these reputations of being places with great ghost stories. And we take a lot of pride in that because I think we've done a lot to help create that impression. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm still at my core someone who's not sure if ghosts are real, um, has a lot of questions about the paranormal, life after death, and is just someone who's excited about the, the possibilities of the unknown. So if our guests can take home with them a little of that magic, a little of that wonder, and have had a fun night out with their friends and family, you know, I couldn't be more proud of, uh, of what our team does. Before I begin my last story, I'd like to thank you all for coming here today because this truly would not be happening without you. At least it'd be very strange if I was walking around by myself like, <laughs> my own telling stories. So it, it really is your interest that drives this, and I, I truly appreciate you coming here tonight.
All right. So for our Noticed History podcast hosts, um, so you guys are historians. You work for a historical researching company. Um, Jim definitely doesn't uh, market this as history, but at the same time, uh, there's there's a lot of history here. Um, what did you notice as historians um, on the tour that, you know, is it kind of recalls some of the work we do at No History? Uh, one thing I noticed was just the real tour of Ottawa you get in terms of built heritage and seeing the city from different periods in its time, like from some of the first buildings here to the canal thinking about the people who built those into the larger, more grand buildings like the Chateau Laurier built by, you know, massive industrialists in the later 19th century and thinking about the growth of the city and sort of how we just see it all as one big downtown now, but to think about how it was really in dribs and drabs here and there. I think part of that for me too was at the beginning when it's pointed out that if you were standing right here like this was all a big cemetery and I think moments like that when you're out not just when you're reading it in a book when you're actually standing in live space and then you can it's much easier to conceptualize the past that way so I find moving through space like a really effective way of engaging with the past so I think that's my favorite part I think and by walking through different places and having that kind of time to reflect in between, it's really nice to be able to pause and kind of consider the stories that you've heard and continue to look around you and maybe notice new things that you wouldn't have otherwise seen or noticed. Um, it really just builds in that reflection time that you otherwise might not have if you're, if you're reading a book or watching a movie or a documentary. It's just kind of, uh, you know, information overload sometimes, whereas this, it really allows it to sink in and for you to bring up memories or experiences that you've had yourself. And that, that certainly warms my heart uh, to hear that because part of the reason we do this is to make Ottawa, in this case, or Kingston or Toronto, uh, a more interesting place to live or visit. That once you know these stories, it's not something you'll easily forget. I think part of it too is now, I, like I'm relatively new to Ottawa, so now I'm like, I got something to say the next time I walk by here. Like, you know, this building? <laughs> like, And I think there's something really kind of fun about that as well, like living in the city where you're experiencing these things. I, I mean, obviously for tourists and tourism purposes, it's really effective too, I think. But I think if when it's where you live, it's a lot more personal. And the stories are personal. They're things that have happened to people. So I think that narrative is really like the big tie-in for the whole experience. So I asked you about the historical aspects. What about the ghostly stuff? Like as historians, how how did the ghost tour part of this experience sit with you? Because I've definitely had historians on my tours before try to debunk everything. But then on the other hand, I've had historians say, oh my goodness, this is the perfect way to make history interesting. This is such a great idea. So I've seen the contrast of the two. I'm wondering what your impressions of the ghostly stuff was. You can pretend I'm not here if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> it's the retelling of things that have happened to people or that people have experienced or memories that they've had and they've shared. So in that way, you know... It, I guess it's easier for me to not think of it as like our ghosts real. It's these are really kind of strange or odd things that happen to people in these places, and that's a form of history. That's an experience, and I it's just like like a different kind of history that you don't think about as often. So whether or not you can have some sort of scientific test that proves whether or not there is a ghost in Chateau Laurier, someone had that experience in that building. 
And I think there's still some value to that. And I think that's really engaging. It's also, I mean, it's oral history, right? It's, it's not only is it oral history, it's being conveyed orally. So it's really layers on layers of oral history, um, which is a very important form of history for us to record, um, for us to have experiences. And whether or not those things are necessarily provable in, you know, a scientific, logical way, they're, they're someone's experience. And it's still important. It's still valid. It's still something that we should be studying and collecting. And I think especially when you have these layers of people having very similar experiences, that certainly makes it a more interesting kind of collection that is, you know, even more valuable. I think they're all valuable, but certainly it's very um, fascinating to be able to explore those when they kind of seem to collide in interesting ways. Well, uh, Robin and Keeley, you definitely both ate my lunch in some senses. (laughs) So building on the same point, I thought it was interesting how even across different buildings or sites, yes, you'll have oral history from the 70s or 80s. You'll have people's accounts from the 30s. You'll have diaries from the wars, but a lot of people's experiences with these sort of paranormal activities, whether you think they're real or not, are very similar, which sort of tells a story in of itself. Like, why are the ghosts always in old-fashioned clothes? <laughs> why can't we have any modern ghosts? Yeah. You know, that's, that's my main question. I think if there was, like, a point of, if you're kind of getting into, like, oh, like, skepticism or whatever, it's not skepticism at the experience or the stories. It's just, like, why is it all from the same time period? And that's where, and then you, for me, that's when I start to kind of lose it. But then because you're walking through and sharing this experience, it's, you get sucked back in. So... You know, it's a really good question, certainly one we've had before, but I would say it's very rare that people actually see a ghost, Mm. Uh, and I don't know how exactly that that plays into all of this, Uh, but it's extremely rare, like, for example, uh, at Black Creek Pioneer Village in Toronto, it's one of the rare spots we've seen people seemingly legitimately, by the number of people who saw it, including our staff, saw an apparition, or what you know, we can only describe as an apparition at this point. Um, and that one also happened to be wearing clothing from the time period the building was from. So is it, uh, is it a subjectivity kind of we're putting on it or a way of interpreting, interpreting whatever a ghost is? That's the way our brains kind of process it. it. It's a really interesting, fascinating question, I think. Or like processing something that you can't process. So then something, yeah, I think that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us tonight, folks. Uh, seems like you had a good time. I'm glad to hear that. And we'll, we'll have to get you over to the uh, the old jail soon so you can uh, spend a little time in yes. there. Just don't leave us there overnight. <laughs> yeah. no, no promises, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jim. Oh, my pleasure. So as you've already had a chance to hear from some of our immediate thoughts following the tour, we were all pretty big fans. For sure. Definitely a good night out. Something that I would repeat, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally interested in trying out some of their other tours. The William Lyon Mackenzie one would be very interesting. I'm very into that one. Yes. So for us, some of the things that we enjoyed were, you know, obviously the ghost stories themselves, but more than that, it was the way that the Haunted Walk really accomplishes making history seem more relevant, and it really breaks into your life, into your daily routine, parts of the city that we walk in regularly, and parts that maybe we haven't explored so much. So we found it a really valuable experience, and we hope that It's something that you may want to explore as well. It's a really interesting way of exploring the history of your own city. Yeah, and if you're interested in going on Haunted Walk yourself, they're also in Toronto and Kingston. And you can check out their website at hauntedwalk.com. 
very special thank you to Jim Dean, Haunted Walks, and the Haunted Talks podcast for doing a collaboration with us this week. If you're interested in more spooky stories, maybe check out more of their Haunted Talks episodes. Now you're the know. A big thank you to our friends at the Notice History Podcast and everyone at No History. It was a great pleasure to have them along and chat a little bit about history, how we represent it, and why it's important. If you did enjoy this episode, please be sure to subscribe to both podcasts so you know when those new episodes are coming out. As always, thank you to our Haunted Talks team, which includes Jillian Walkerchuk, our expert guest wrangler, Michelle Dennis, our awesome audio editor, and to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the additional music. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all three at Haunted Walk. Until we meet again next week, sweet dreams. Thank you.